Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore the Mississippi River Delta. And as we head into Christmas and look ahead to the new year, which is hard for me to say, I can't believe we're at this point already, we are so excited to bring a very special guest on to Delta Dispatches to talk about important work that's happening from the Capitol all the way back to Louisiana. So Simone, why don't you do the honors of introducing our very special guest for today's episode? I couldn't be more pleased to have our first U.S. Senator, our senior senator from Louisiana on the Delta Dispatches podcast. I've known Dr. Bill Cassidy ever since he was a congressman. Uh, He's very supportive of Restore Retreat and our coastal restoration efforts. But Bill grew up in Baton Rouge. He attended LSU for his undergraduate and his medical school. He also joined LSU Med School teaching medical students and residents at K. Long, many of Louisiana's folks know that that's a hospital for the uninsured. And so Bill decided to give his hand to politics. He was elected to the Louisiana State Senate and then moved on to the U.S. House of Representatives. In 2014, he was elected to the U.S. Senate. He serves on the Finance Committee, Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, Energy and Natural Resources Committee, and the Veterans Affairs Committee. We're going to talk to him today about all of his good work in D.C. So welcome to the show, Senator Cassidy. Hey, thank you both for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. So, Senator, it's hard to believe that um, 2022 will be here in a matter of weeks. And as we look back on the year, there have been many bright spots, but also some challenges, of course, in Louisiana. Um, On this show and through our organizations, we've tried to highlight the ongoing needs of people impacted by Hurricane Ida. So what message would you send to, to those people, but also to others, to let them know that there are many people in Louisiana still feeling the effects of the storm as we head into the holidays. We know that people are still feeling the effects. Sometimes you forget the progress that has been made. Now, I'm always impressed with the grit and the determination of those who are going to kind of make sure that this ends up well. And I guess my message would be that we in Congress are committed to helping it end well. We've seen some progress. Uh, Congress has just allocated another $592 billion, a million dollars, I'm sorry, in addition to that which has already been received by Southwest Louisiana. We are going to continue to work for more, and there's opportunities in the bipartisan infrastructure bill that will also help, both by increasing demand for the products that Lake Charles makes, as well as direct investment in the infrastructure. So. I just applaud the grit determination that has seen the region through. I will commit that we'll continue to work from uh, our federal responsibilities to help complete it, and that help is on its way now. Senator, you know, you've always been great about keeping Louisiana um, in the forefront of your conversations, which which I can believe sometimes are, incredi- are incredibly difficult in D.C., um, and this year has been busier than most. So we appreciate your time today, but we want to really get down into the weeds of, of the recently passed and signed bipartisan infrastructure bill that you helped craft and pass. 
um, this legislation will deliver significant funding um, for restoration and resilience in Louisiana um, for restoration and protection. So thank you for that um, piece of legislation to make sure that Louisiana's needs are on the forefront. And you had that in mind with, with your seat at the table. So can you tell our listeners um, more about what the bill will mean for Louisiana and particularly our coast? Think of the needs that were present before uh, our recent hurricanes and and think of, think of the need that was present before and think of the needs that have been exposed by our recent hurricanes. And this bill can help address. There's going to be about $5.9 billion uh, over five years to help rebuild or build roads and bridges in Louisiana. There is a major project coming to a region near you. There is about two off the top of my head. I think it was $60 billion. That is for hardening the infrastructure. After Hurricane Laura, I flew over and I saw big power lines just crumpled the big transmission lines. After Ida, you fly over and it's the transmission lines. There are billions to harden the grid. When President Biden came to Louisiana, I met him at the tarmac in New Orleans and we spoke of this. And I said, Mr. President, right after Hurricane Ida, this money, if it had been present beforehand, we would not have had the power outages. And he goes, and that's what this bill is about. So we, we are going to address those needs. After Laura and Delta, the absence of adequate internet was clearly exposed. Turns out Louisiana has whole parishes in which there is poor access to high-speed internet. This bill has $65 billion so that nationwide, every American has access to high-speed internet. What a difference that'll make for rural communities, which right now their economic development is limited because the business that wishes to move there needs access to high-speed internet. I could keep going. There's $46 um, billion for nature resiliency, um, uh, meaning, again, when I discussed this with the president, I said, Mr. President, do you mean using nature's forces like a river to rebuild a delta so that delta can protect our coastline? He goes, absolutely. There's billions for coastal restoration, prioritizing states that have been hit by natural disasters in the last six years. $3.5 $3.5 billion for flood mitigation targeting areas of the country that have recently flooded. And since Louisiana has accounted for about one half of the claims on the National Flood Insurance Program recently, we stand to do well at that program. I could keep going, but this is a way to catch up on pent-up need and position our state for the future, not just for 2022 or 2023, but for 2050 to position our state from that starting point by which to go forward. Senator, thank you so much again for your leadership on this bill um, and for that explanation of kind of the benefits that are coming to Louisiana on coastal restoration and in other areas. Uh, Simone and I, in our role as advocates, have often tried to make the case that Louisiana has made a lot of significant progress through its coastal master plan. And, you know, there are projects, large scale projects that are being built every day, but we certainly know that more funding is needed. So that's great to hear that more resources will be coming to Louisiana soon. Um, We know some of these funds are competitive. And so knowing how vulnerable Louisiana's communities are and how it is important, as you say, to protect them, not just today, but for the future as well. 
How do you think our state can best compete or position ourselves to be real contender, contenders for this important competitive funding? There's, there's at least two components to that answer. First, the way the legislation was written. It helps to be one of the negotiators. So my staff and I were in the room, so to speak. And so it doesn't necessarily say Louisiana, but you look at it and you think, whoa, Louisiana's gonna do pretty well with that one. <laughs> so for example, so for example, the two provisions I mentioned earlier, uh, billions for coastal restoration, prioritizing areas in our country, which have recently hit by natural disasters. And another few billion for flood mitigation, prioritizing areas that have recently flooded. Louisiana will do well with those. Now, in some of it, it's going to be driven by formula funding. The Army Corps of Engineers, I'm sorry, the uh, roads and bridges funding will go by formula. Every state gets a certain amount. But it just turns out that more of that money is tilted towards bridges than roads. And Louisiana has more bridges than other states as a rule. So it's estimated, I think we do third best among all the states as regards how that funding goes down. For broadband, unfortunately, we have the weakness of having poor broadband coverage in our rural areas, but that ends up, according to one projection, that we'll receive eighth most of any state as regards broadband funding. Now, on the other hand, there are needs for local leadership. There's gonna be competitive grants in which we go head to head with other states, other regions multimodal transportation programs that would tie together our, our shipping industry with our rail, with our highways, with our airports. If we're gonna succeed at that, we're gonna need local and state leadership. We've done it successfully with other projects, um, so we need to continue to do it successfully. So the second component, state local leadership to make sure that when there's a competitive grant, we're, competitive, we're competing well. Yes, Senator, you make a great point about um, implementation and and being able to compete for this, and so um, you know, making sure that some of the the folks on the ground help get there. Um, but how do you see um, your role in implementation? But also, the administration has has named former New Orleans Mayor Mitch Landrieu um, to oversee some of this. So, how do you see that um, impacting Louisiana? And um, you know, how about Let's talk a little bit more about the implementation of this, your role as well as Mitch and others' role in helping position Louisiana to be successful. First, the rules, until the rules are written, you don't know actually how the money's going to be dispensed. You pass a law, but then the administration writes the rules. Um, uh, having Mitch in that role, of course, I would prefer as a, as a Republican, oh boy, don't I wish I'd be a Republican, but it's not. And so the next best thing is somebody from our state who has firsthand witnessed the impact of natural disasters. So if we're speaking about money going for ecosystem restoration to otherwise make a community like New Orleans or Jefferson Parish or St. Tammany more resilient to flooding, he's going to completely get it. When we speak about hardening the grid, he's flown over helicopters, seeing how transmission lines and distribution lines have been toppled. He's going to immediately get it. So those who might say that this is not an issue, he'll understand that it's an issue. I'll also point out there's provisions in here that work to lower the carbon intensity of our economy. For example, by taking natural gas, making hydrogen from the natural gas, but then sequestering or otherwise using the carbon dioxide, capturing it and using it otherwise. 
he'll understand our built infrastructure is ideal for that. Um, and by the way, when we negotiated the bill, I understood it as well. And so, and again, tried to fashion the language in a way that would recognize Louisiana strengths. So it can only help to have somebody who has that same understanding and mindset. Uh, and I'm optimistic as to how that portion of the bill will turn out. Senator, you've worked with a number of colleagues across states to help them understand um, the, the needs of Louisiana and our coastal issues, um, including Senator Whitehouse from Rhode Island, who I know visited Louisiana and learned about our coastal land loss crisis firsthand. So as more coastal states experience the effects of flooding, do you think there is an opportunity to come together and find solutions for these communities, whether they be in Louisiana or Rhode Island? Absolutely. One of you mentioned earlier our coastal plan. Uh, when Senator Whitehouse came down and looked at our coastal plan, he said it's the most well-developed, most sophisticated in the nation. So he recognizes the work we've put in to use resources wisely. So if I'm up in D.C. advocating that, that we allocate federal dollars to help with coastal issues, because ultimately it saves the federal taxpayer money, from not having to pay for the problems associated with land loss, he gets it, and he knows that we will use that money wisely. He's a Democrat, pretty liberal Democrat. I'm a very conservative Republican. So he's able to take that kind of message to people who may not listen to me, but will listen to him and say, hey, listen, Louisiana's got their act together. They can be an example for other states as to how to do it. I'm from Rhode Island, speaking from his perspective, and so let's work together. We have worked together. We're working right now to increase the amount of dollars allocated to coastal states for coastal restoration, understanding it is in the long-term self-interest of the federal taxpayer if states are not uh, increasingly flooding in their coastal regions. He and I are working very closely on that. Again, speaking to different audiences, he speaks to the left of the Democratic Party, I speak to the Republican Party, together we form a coalition that allows us to unite and get something good for coastal states, such as Louisiana and Rhode Island. Um, Senator, um, I was lucky enough to be on um, that uh, field trip with Senator Whitehouse, and he was so engaged. And I remember how deep he got into a discussion um, with one of our other favorite former guests on Delta Dispatches, um, an ornithologist, um, and they got deep, deep into the weeds, Dr. Eric Johnson, of some of the things that we saw out in Davis Pond. He talked about it on the Senate floor several times about, about his visit here. And so thank you for inviting him here. And, and he was so engaged and that was so nice to see. Um, and we see you, you two team up on, on different, um, I, you know, different partnerships just like this. So if we can take a second just to talk about the RISE Act. Um, on a previous show, we had uh, the great state representative, uh, Joe Ogeron, on the show, not to talk about his, um, his housework here, but to talk about his work on offshore wind development and Louisiana's first wind week earlier this year. So um, tell us about um, what do you see about um, things like the RISE Act, which is important, how that how that relates to Louisiana's coast and, and how impactful that could be to Louisiana's funding future. Yeah, so the RISE Act increases the amount of money that Louisiana and other coastal states receive from Gulf of Mexico oil royalties. It also brings in another component. Uh, we know that there will be increasing amounts of offshore wind 
energy developed. An opportunity, by the way, for we in Louisiana, there's going to be boat builders like Joe Ogeron's company and others that will be building boats and supplying work crews for the work that will be taking place to build and service these offshore wind farms. But there will be revenue sharing. The federal government will lease this land to the companies, and then there'll be revenue sharing with the coastal states. We're trying to come up with a fair way in which, and we think we have, in which that both the uh, royalties for the increased royalties from the Gulf of Mexico oil and gas leases, but the future royalties from wind farms can be shared with coastal states in order to establish resiliency as sea levels rise. Now, I, this helps Louisiana in a lot of ways. One, it provides us revenue to implement our master plan. Two, it helps create jobs for people in Louisiana, not just in the construction projects regarding the uh, implementation of the master plan, but if we're also encouraging wind industry, hey, people like Ogeron are building the boats. So there's a lot of ways that this feeds into Louisiana's strength that benefits Louisiana, but benefits the rest of the nation. And it's one of the kind of coalitions that uh, I've worked with, tried to establish to get things done for my state. Senator, thank you for that update on the RISE Act, and we'll be sure to follow it as it moves forward. Um, I wanted to take a step back from uh, a little bit and kind of get your perspective as someone who, you know, does work on a number of issues for Louisiana and, uh, and nationally. Um, and, and, you know, in, in our world and in our state, there's so much going on that people may not think about our coastal wetlands until it matters, right? For example, during or after a hurricane. So in your opinion, why are the efforts to restore Louisiana's coasts so important to the future of our state? My gosh, how much time do we have? <laughs> you have a hard stop in a little bit. <laughs> okay, then let's just go on some of what we know to be the case. We have lost more landmass than any other state in the nation, a landmass equivalent to the entire state of Delaware. And if nothing is done, we'll continue to lose this landmass. So that's important to Louisiana. It's important to the rest of the nation because we have lost a hurricane buffer. All the wetlands that a storm goes over dissipates its strength. If there is no wetlands, when it hits a town, Homa or New Orleans or Lake Charles, the less land that hurricane travels over, the stronger the hurricane is. So it affects us most directly by loss of land, and then next most directly by allowing natural disasters to have more consequence. It helps the na it, it hurts the federal taxpayer because they're the ones who are going to come in here and help kind of put things back together. Would rather they not have to put it together, would rather it stay in place in the first place. And it also has a role in terms of our national security. If you ever look at Louisiana's coastline and the pipelines that, and the energy structures that go from Louisiana's coastline to the rest of the nation, I'm a doctor, so you'll see why I pursue this mental picture. It is as if Louisiana is the energy heart pumping the energy resources needed to the rest of the nation to keep those states running, doing well. When a storm hits the Gulf Coast, gasoline prices rise in the Northeast. And so we are the heart of our energy economy. And the energy economy is directly related to the economy overall. We can see now the Biden administration has a series of policies uh, as well as other events which have raised the price of gasoline. Average family paying a dollar more for gasoline than they were a year ago. 
boy, what an impact it is to their bottom line. If Louisiana is somehow unable to provide this energy because of environmental factors, it's going to be a hit to the bottom line of a lot of families and to our entire nation. Um, there's also things positively to say. It, wetlands are a huge sump, storage bank, if you will, for carbon. So if we wish to decrease the amount of carbon in the atmosphere, we can plant trees, but a more effective way is to restore wetlands. So because all that carbonaceous material submerged beneath the water, a permanent storage, if you will, of it ends up, uh, uh, when I talk to the scientists, they tell me, storing more carbon than the trees. Now, the trees, of course, eventually get knocked down, cut down, something like that, whereas a wetland theoretically will stay there uh, forever. So rebuilding that wetland also helps us mitigate the carbon. And then there's the environmental factors. Just think of the estuaries in Louisiana directly related to our coastline, which has made us in the lower 48 the greatest supplier of fresh seafood, not including Alaska, which is so large, but in the lower 48, um, all related to our unique environment. There's the cultural aspects of it. Went down to port au the Indians down there, uh, the Native Americans who I, I go up and I, and I hear somebody speaking French. It isn't often that people in Louisiana still speak French as a first language, but um, she, she was uh, speaking French and a very proud Native American and port tribe and a wonderful conversation. There is a cultural heritage related to the land that is melting away. This tribe is being relocated. That loss will be felt locally It'll be felt for our state. It'll be felt, I, I frankly think, kind of worldwide. I could keep going, um, but um, uh, suffice it to say, we need to restore and preserve our wetlands. Senator, um, as we as we wrap up our time together, you know, um, to to be positive, um, as as Jacques said, it's hard to believe this year um, is already gone. In a lot of ways, they say that when you have children, right? The the days are long and the years are short. Some days seem long, and then this year seems short too. Um, but let let's talk about what you're looking forward to most in 2022. Um, what what are you looking forward to in the new year? Yeah, sure. Hoping, I'm looking forward to a better football season for LSU. <laughs> and Thanks for the Saints. Too. Let's put them together. <laughs> um, um, for ULL to get, continue their good team, I can keep going down all my schools. Um, I am so glad that we've made so much progress against COVID. We still have it. It'll be here for a while, but we've made progress and people are getting their lives back together. I'm so pleased about the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which we're already beginning to implement. And I think it will be an inflection point where Louisiana, because we're able to address these infrastructure needs, will begin to see us catch up to other states and indeed surpass them because of our because of the unique nature of our economy. Will This bill will position us so well to, to go into the next century. Uh, the next part of this century and into the next century, better off than we ever thought before. Um, I look for incredible opportunities for people in Louisiana to be more prosperous, because I do think that again, COVID and the infrastructure bill and the way we've established our state, the ability to go forward, as I just described, will make Louisiana a place where people live and people move to to live better. Um, I'm just really excited about the future of our state. 
Well, thank you so much, Senator, for that. And, you know, certainly wish you and your family a very happy Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Before we let you go, though, we do have a tradition on Delta Dispatches that even though you're a U.S. Senator, we can't let you out of. And that is the (laughs) No one's immune. (laughs) No one is immune. That is our fun question. So our fun question for you is, what is your favorite Louisiana Christmas tradition or Christmas dish that you're looking forward to this year? Uh, I, I love, I, I went down to the bonfires on the, on the river parishes. That's really a pretty good thing, allowing St. Nick to kind of be guided down to the trees. I like that. I also like oyster dressing. A friend of mine way back when, a guy named David Cavanaugh, he's a lawyer in New Orleans. His mama used to make the best oyster dressing, and every now and then my wife treats me for it. And I could probably give you another. And lastly, of course, families coming together. Families in Louisiana are the best. Senator, we talk about oyster dressing more often than we should on the show. <laughs> it is a common theme. So you you definitely um, have some friends of, of that here. Um, we thank you, Senator, for your time. We know you're incredibly busy. We know that you're working very hard for Louisiana, not just on this infrastructure bill, but every day. Um, so thank you. Um, uh, thank you for doing past webinars with us. Thank you for being um, on for a whole new audience through this Delta the Dispatches podcast. Thank you for your time. Thank you both for having me. I appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All right. Well, that was a wonderful conversation. And we thank U.S. Senator Bill Cassidy and his staff for taking the time to have him on our show uh, during what we know is a very busy uh, end of year for him up on, uh, on Capitol Hill. And so great conversation, Simone. You know, we don't have many episodes left of Delta Dispatches, but hopefully we'll have some more great stuff coming in 2022. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll talk about oyster dressing some more. <laughs> Speaking, Speaking of oysters, oh, go, go for it. Speaking of oysters, um, I'm going to give you the coastal stat of the week. Um, launched in June of 2014, CRCL's Oyster Shell Recycling Program is the only program of its kind in Louisiana. And now it is one of the largest shell recycling programs in the nation. It takes about 806,400 oysters shells to create a 400 linear foot living shoreline. With your help, we can put even more shells back into the water. Visit crcl.org to learn more and support this program. That is a great stat. And I have to say, I was back home in Louisiana recently for a little trip. And I, you and I got to see each other, of course, and other colleagues. But I did my part to get those shells um, out <laughs> into the reefs. I ate as Thank much. you for that selfless work. <laughs> You're very welcome. It was hard work, but someone has to do it. So with that, I'm happy to give our Coastal Voice of the Week, which is from none other than my partner in crime, our co-host and our Restored the Mississippi River Delta campaign director, Simone Malaz. Simone, you penned a letter to the editor and the advocate recently that highlighted kind of some reflections as we closed out hurricane season this year, but also look forward to some big milestones coming in the new year. And so Simone says, as Louisiana closes the chapter on hurricane season, we must ensure those impacted by Ida get the assistance they desperately need. This includes critical needs like a safe home with steady power, but it also means addressing long-term needs like better protecting our most vulnerable communities from future hurricanes. It only takes one storm to bring widespread destruction. Looking forward, we must deploy our most powerful assets to push back against stronger hurricanes and sea level rise. We need to put the Mississippi River back to work for us and for our children who deserve to enjoy all that Louisiana has to offer. And that is from our very own Simone Malaz. Very well said, Simone. 
with some help. <laughs> but just a reminder, you can add your coastal voice at MississippiRiverDelta.org slash restore dash the dash coast. We do have a couple more activities to close out the year, Jacques. So let's give them a plug as well. Um, so we mentioned um, CRCL, um, but they also plant trees as well. And back in January, earlier this year, they planted 600 trees in Lake Maurepas. And they returned to monitor the site in October, um, and the trees are thriving and growing. So CRCL is going to return once again to Lake Maurepas on December 17th and 18th um, to plant more than 600 native trees, and they need your help. Um, so with the support from the EPA, CSED, Entergy, Apache, and our friends at Pontchartrain Conservancy, this project will help and restore sustain quality wetlands within the Pontchartrain Basin. So please thinking of, think about joining our friends there. And speaking of Pontchartrain Conservancy, they also have lights on the lake this weekend that got to lead um, because of set some bad weather, but they'll be back at the lighthouse on Saturday night. There'll be activities for the kids and choirs, and then one of the most fun Christmas boat parades um, that we have in our area. So that'll be on Saturday. So fun. Highly recommend both the volunteer uh, uh, events. You know, it's so fun to get out on the coast and, and, and contribute directly in that way. And great to see our partners being able to get back out and do that safely. And then, of course, the, the boat parade um, for Pontchartrain Conservancy is such a fun event for the family. So definitely go out, check it out. Um, and we will be back soon on Delta Dispatches. Maybe one more episode before the end of the year. We'll see. Um, but again, Thank you to U.S. Senator Cassidy for being on and help sh helping to shed some light on the recently passed infrastructure package and what it means for Louisiana and our coast. And thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next time. Until then, we'll see you all later, alligators. Mm -hmm.